Hello, this is Dominic Kearns with the Rising as One podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to thank our partners, the Beautiful Game Network. You can see their stuff at bgn.fm. And Firebird Rising. You can find their stuff at firebirdrising.corair.com. And we'd also like to thank our new sponsor, Roughneck Scarves. And now, let's get on to the show. Hello, this is Dominic Kearns here with the Rising is One pod. The Rising is One podcast is sponsored by the Arizona Sports Complex, which has leagues, soccer leagues for people of all ages, whether you're trying to play indoor, whether you're trying to play outdoor. They have the arena soccer fix for you, and they even have other sports there. So please go to the Arizona Sports Complex, let them know that the Rising is One podcast sent you, and your annual membership will only cost $35 instead of 50 how are you guys doing? Doing great, Dominic. Uh, great to be back on a on a Sunday where we're talking about a, a huge win for Phoenix Rising uh, over uh, Oklahoma City. Uh, Kyle, how are you doing this week? I'm, I'm doing awesome. I uh, actually just got back from vacation on Thursday, so had a nice little little break from the grind. Um, but yeah, I mean, that match yesterday, as you said, it was... It was great to be out there and to get to uh, get to see us have a good showing against Oklahoma Energy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, fun to see all the fans back in full force. I think Sam Dorr was saying it was the second crowd ever at the Phoenix Rising Soccer Complex behind only Didier Drogba's debut last year. That is that is correct, and you know what a. What a great effort by the crowd last last night. I mean, earlier this week, Patrice Carteron had called the fans out, saying we needed you big time, and 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 the fans didn't disappoint when you uh, packed the building with six thousand eight hundred people. Yeah, I mean, it, the atmosphere last night. I think that uh, everyone was was just ready to get it started. I got there at about six o'clock and. I have yet to see that many people there that early. So it seemed like, you know, with happy hour in full effect, I think everyone was excited. And, um, I mean, after last week having to watch us on the road, I know that I personally was itching to get to Phoenix Rising Soccer Complex this week. Yeah, it, it really was pretty impressive to see, you know, all the people that were already there. The line of cars even 30 minutes before getting in. Usually there's only that kind of a line right before kickoff, but to see it uh, that early, uh, pretty cool stuff. And then a lot of seats filled up on both sides too. You know, Sometimes you'll have an announced attendance, but not all the seats will fill up. But really, great atmosphere last night. Yeah, it was a wonderful atmosphere. Uh, and, and the soccer obviously didn't disappoint either. Oh, no. 
Jeff, do you want to take us through yep. how Let, it all went down? Yep, let's go Let's go through this. Um, an interesting 4-3-3 formation put out there by uh, Patrice Carterone to uh, to get this match started. Uh, obviously stuck with the same back four of DeBose, Mala, DeFont, and Dia uh, on that back line. A little interesting that he would stay with that, that uh, same foursome uh, coming off of the draw in Orange County uh, the week before. But uh, obviously... Uh, Carterone has some faith in these guys and wanted to see him play again. And and you'll hear some interesting comments from Patrice after the game, uh, especially talking about the defense. Um, he had a he, he had a quick trigger ready to go if things weren't going the way that he wanted to see. And it'll be interesting to hear those comments uh, afterwards. You'll 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 love to hear some of those. But. Uh, Going into the midfield with Kevon Lambert, Colin Fernandez, Gladson Awako in the midfield, and then up top you had uh, Solomon Asante, Chris Cortez, Jason Johnson across the front. Cortez, a late uh, addition to the starting lineup. Um, Drogba was going to start this match, but had arrived from back from Columbia uh, Tuesday or Wednesday of this week. Wasn't feeling very well. Um, Tried to give it a go Saturday morning. Wanted to see if he could run through some fitness drills to see if he could do it. He could not, and informed Carterone uh, Saturday morning he could not go. So obviously he went to Chris Cortez and and uh, guys, <coughs> what a what a decision to make to go to Chris Cortez uh, uh, it, it, with that option available. Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, as as we saw throughout the match, Cortez, he took advantage of his opportunity. There's no question about that. I mean, I think even early on, he had the most uh, most important and the closest chances. I mean, that that back heel that almost went in in about the I think it was the eighth or ninth minute. I mean, that that right there reminded me of some Cristiano Ronaldo moves. That was uh, that was great to see from him. So it's good to see his confidence being so high early on in the season. Oh, no doubt about that. Yeah, Cortez, you love to see him get those kinds of opportunities because we saw last year he was capable of scoring goals, but I don't think anyone could have predicted what was to come, a hat trick in the season opener. Yeah, nobody <laughs> nobody could have predicted that. Well, let's go through the first half and kind of talk about things that happened there. Obviously, uh, Kyle talked about one of the early moments of that match with that Cortez back heel in the tenth minute. A uh, little cheeky play there. Uh, you know, I don't think anybody was really expecting that, but uh, just missed on the short side. So you know, nice effort there. Um, came you come back two minutes later uh, with a great you know great ball outside to Solomon Asante who throws the ball into the middle. Jason Johnson gets a head head on it, but just misses it to the wide side. You could see the play building and the play building, and finally in the 28th minute we got that <coughs> early highlight goal of the season. I mean, great goal kick by by Carl Wazinski. Got a flick on. I'm not sure if it was a rising player in Orange County or an Oklahoma City player that got the head on the ball in the in the middle of the pitch, but obviously uh, Solomon Asante got onto the end of it, turned and fired it quickly, and boy, what a rocket into the upper 90 past Matt Van Ockle and a one nothing lead. Um, obviously, highlight goal and the fact that it makes SportsCenter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's wild. I think 
the only goal we scored last season that made Sports Center was Didier Drogba putting that ridiculous in against uh, Los Dos. So, you know, we're only two matches in and we're already making Sports Center. That bodes pretty well. I mean, I was right there behind the goal, so I actually had a great, great view of it. And I mean, it was a rocket. I honestly, when I first saw him take it, I thought it was going over. And then it took that dip at the end and and hit that bar and just went down. And I mean, that after seeing the Chris Cortez back heel opportunity, the crowd was feeling it. After that, I think that I mean, the supporter section exploded. After that, we were uh, we knew we were in for a good night. Yeah, definitely for sure. Um, you can see, you know, the play continued to ramp up for Phoenix Rising. Cortez gets a shot on the 33rd minute that Van Ockel had to make a save. Then he's got to make another save a minute later on a Jason Johnson shot. I mean, Oklahoma City's first real effort doesn't come until two minutes before halftime when just a, a strange play in the box and Duigi Mala kind of misplays it a little bit and Carl Wazinski has to come out and jump on top of it. You know, but that's the setup for goal number two. You know, get the ball turned around quickly on the counterattack, force a corner kick. Corner kick gets thrown in, bounces kind of around in the box. Kevon Lambert gets gets onto it at the end and finds Chris Cortez. Cortez with a quick turn and rockets it past Van Ockel for a two nothing lead. And uh, you know, it just you felt at that point that things were just going to be rolling from there. Yeah, I mean, that's a real sucker punch if you're looking at it from the other team's perspective. Like, if it's a 1-0 deficit, it's still manageable. Maybe you can come back. Being down by two against a team of Rising's caliber, you basically just dug your own grave. And I'm going to be honest, because that goal also came on that supporter section side, I really thought the keeper, uh, Van Ockel, could have done a better job on that. I mean, it was a great turn by... um, by Cortez, one to just touch it, and then two to get it on target so quick. But it's certainly a save I would expect Carl Wazinski to make, and it's certainly a save that other USL keepers could make. So, hey, you take the goals when they come. But um, I think we were pretty fortunate to get that second one when we did. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Dominic. I think that, as you said, I think Carl Wazinski or possibly even Cody Relen- Cody Lorendi might have made that save. Um, but, I mean, hey, we'll take it. And as you said, to get a sucker punch like that right at halftime, um, that really kind of made made me confident, and I'm sure it made the rest of the team confident going into half that we could uh, could finish the game strong. Yeah. Obviously, you know, obviously a little confusion there at the end of the half. Everybody thought the first half had come to an end. Unfortunately, it was an incident where apparently a, some some water bottles had been thrown onto the field, so they had cleared cleared the players <laughs> off for their safety, brought them back out, finished the the last three minutes of added time in the first half, and then went back into the locker room again. So kind of threw everybody off there for a minute or two, but. But, you know, no harm done there at the end of that first half. But to come out, obviously, to come out 2 nothing and to get that, that second goal right at the end of the half, like you said, Kyle, that's definitely, you know, the sucker punch that, that, that probably killed OKC, you know, in the end. So but we'll, move into, we'll move into the second half of play here. Um, real, really one of uh, Oklahoma City's real solid attempts in the game. 
uh, comes in the 50th minute, uh, shot off the crossbar. Think, you know, thankfully Carl, you know, Carl had gotten a piece of it and it deflected off the crossbar. So, you know, no harm done there. Um, another shot in the 58th that really was a weak shot that Carl made an easy save on, uh, 74th minute, we see the introduction for the first time to Phoenix Rising for Luca Ricci. Uh, Luca didn't see any time in the preseason, but gets his first minutes here with Phoenix Rising. Uh, in the 74th minute, as he came on for Gladson Iwako. Um Then we get to the goal in the 83rd from, from Chris Cortez, goal number two. A great ball from Colin Fernandez, and again, slotting it past uh, Van Ockel you know, for the 3 for nothing lead. And I think everybody knew at that point that the points were pretty solidly safe in, in Phoenix Rising's bag. Yeah, it was it was a great... That's probably Colin Fernandez's best bit of skill in a Phoenix Rising uniform. He had to knife his way past three defenders there at the edge of the box and amidst pretty tough pressure was able to get the ball into the right spot. I love that he knew when to pass it at the right moment. Um... You know, watching some March Madness, it's fun to watch those guards get into the paint and pass the ball to the big guys for some slam dunks. And it was that exact same kind of thing. He drew all the defenders in, got past the first couple, and then slid it perfectly for Cortez to uh, rifle it in. And he did. Absolutely. I think, I think, I mean, that bit of skill right there kind of showed me why... Colin Fernandez has been starting these past two games. I think that he's definitely shown that uh, he's earned his way into this lineup. And, I mean, I'm excited to see more skill from him as the season goes on. Yeah. It was a great, it was a great effort by by, uh, by Colin Fernandez. And, you know, I think we all thought in the beginning, you know, when we watched the preseason, I think we all thought that Devin Vega might have been that guy. But, you know, Colin Fernandez has really stepped up these first two games and has really put on a solid effort. And I can't, don't think you can complain the effort that you've seen out of him. You know, I think, I think as the season goes on, I think both of those players will probably complement each other. I mean, you may, you may see, De, you know, like De, a Devin Vega play a midweek game and then come back, uh, you know, on on a weekend with Colin Fernandez, and and you're not going to lose much difference between those two players. You're totally right about that, Jeff. I think they both, you know, they have that skill on the ball and th- that youth and that technical ability. Um, I'll be I'll be interested to see one match that I think that we may see a bit of a different lineup is that uh, Los Dos match midweek that we have coming up in April. I'm kind of looking towards that one. I think we may see a bit of a different lineup than what we've been used to. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see that. Yeah, that that it will. So obviously three nothing lead. You think it's safe in the bag, but for a moment, uh, you know OKC gets one back. You know, <coughs> uh, Carl Wazinski makes a great save on that first shot, but there, there's no way he's saving the rebound by IBA. You know Ibiega, and it's just no ch- no chance whatsoever for him to get that. And I know, you know, I know Carl got mad at his guys. You know. You know, the defense didn't clear the ball out. But you know what? I think Carl did his best just to get the first one. And, you know, to me it's kind of like a no harm done because, you know, you kind of knew at that point you had it in the bag. But still, you know, I know Carl wanted the clean sheet really bad. 
Yeah, and you know, without getting too nitpicky, um, it is one of those situations where it comes off of a set piece. They're able to work the ball in. We have a tough time clearing the set piece, and it leads to a really good opportunity to save it. And then there's no one there on the back post for that rebound just to be tapped in. So, you know, not to nitpick too much. It was an outstanding effort, but um, definitely a thing to work on in training is just dealing with those set pieces. It's funny, when they were putting those balls up in the air, we were doing a really good job uh, in this match, we won over 60% of our aerial duels, which is a, not a number I've seen in a long time. Um, but they, they played it on the ground on that set piece, and it kind of worked out well for them. So just yeah. something to think about. Yeah. So going uh, going to the end of the match, obviously, interesting. you know, a little interesting incident with Carl Wazinski towards the end, you know, I was a little surprised he picked up that yellow card late just because the, you know, the OKC player had charged into him and, you know, I know Carl pushed him down and everything, but you know, it is what it is on that. But boy, for Carl to, to turn around and get a ball down the field and for Luca Ricci to play such a beautiful ball onto the head of Chris Cortez for, for Chris to finish the hat trick off. I mean, that was an excellent ball. I mean, I was down at that end waiting for post game interviews you know, just to watch that ball float up and and go right onto Chris's head, you couldn't ask for anything better for him to finish a hat trick off like that. Yeah, Jeff. I mean, and that's those kinds of passes were what I saw when I first watched Luca Ricci's highlight reel when we signed him, and I was wondering who is this kid. So we definitely know that he has that ability in his arsenal. Um, that. I mean, making that kind of move when he ha- he only had about 20 minutes on the field, that I think that really shows that we have great depth on this team, you know, and Carterone's going to be able to call on the veterans as well as the young guys to go out there and perform. So, I mean, t- I love the tenacity from the team not giving up. As we've seen in the past, we haven't quite finished out games and it's come back to haunt us. So just to see them put the pedal to the metal and keep going till the very end, it, you know, that's just refreshing. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, to get to to respond the way they did to OKC, really looking like they were just being punks trying to start something with Carl there at the end. Um, and then just to not even let that affect anyone um, shows the depth that we have, as you were saying, and shows the right mental attitude that we have. So bodes really well. And, you know, it's crazy to think that Luca Ricci and Chris Cortez would not have been on anyone's projected starting 11s last night, and yet they're perfectly capable of combining for that goal. Yeah, and you think about it even, you know, you're minus Didier Drogba, you're minus even a Billy Forbes who who earlier in the week had international duty with Turks and Caicos. So, you know, I, I had a feeling if Billy was going to play in this match, it was going to be 20 or 30 minutes. It probably would have been in Luca Ricci's role. But I think the reason why probably Billy didn't even play was when you're up 2-1 to one at that, you know, you're up 2 nothing at that point, you're feeling solid, you know, why not give a kid like Luca Ricci a chance to see what he can do and, and make a little time out of it. And, and, you know, hey, he made the best of his 20-minute effort that he came in and did and shows, like you said, Dominic, shows – how the depth of this team really is going to shine through this season. 
Yeah, it, it makes it's, me that much more excited for that that low dose match. Yeah, it really does. That's that's why I I also think a an open cup run is possible because I mean we're we've seen it time and time again that we have a deep squad, you know. So if if we maybe have a match a weekend match and then uh open cut match during the week i'd feel confident going into either one that we could uh get a result no matter what yeah so so finishing out 4-1 obviously a great result for the guys coming home uh like like we said in the beginning you know patrice carterone asked for the fans you know to come out and show their support and obviously they did 6800 strong uh second largest crowd in in club history you know you can't you can definitely thank the fans, you know, in the effort, you know, for Saturday night. But obviously the players, you know, kind of fed off that as well. And so after the match, we had an opportunity to uh, get some postgame comments, uh, first from head coach Patrice Carterone, and then also comments from Chris Cortez on his hat trick in the evening. <laughs> you remember the last time you scored a hat trick? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is my first professional one, so um, yeah, very happy about it. You know, I'm very glad, uh, you know, that we can get a win and send a message at home. I think for me, that's the most important thing. I'm fortunate to get on the end of, you know, some really good deliveries and, and some really good plays. You know, Colin has a great play on the second goal, and the ball just pops out to me. And Luca puts a ball right on my head. It's, you know, it's hard for me to miss that and stuff. So, uh, for me, yeah, the biggest thing is sending a message and being able to get four goals at home and provide entertainment and you know show our fans what they can expect from the whole year. Now, coach talked about the fact that he felt that Didier couldn't go, and he came to you and said you were feeling good. Yeah. I know it's been a struggle in the preseason for you to find time and to, to be able to get in the, the shape that you want to be in. But how do you feel you are right now? Oh, I feel good. I mean, I think Patrice has managed it well with me. You know, um, He's been talking to me the whole time about um, what he's expected from me and how to manage minutes and everything like that. Um, it's been an ongoing discussion you know, that we've had and we've had a good agreement on. Um, you know, the week before, we had kind of like closed-door games in that. Where I was able to get two 90s and really get that full fitness and be ready to go, you know. So um, after that, you know, I know his goal was to get everyone in the 90 and stuff. And fortunately, I was able to get that in preseason and get those two under my belt. And, you know, now just able to be ready when I'm called upon. Talk about the depth. That you, I mean, the, the ability that you have to... DDA is not available, that you can go to somebody like yourself, go to somebody like a Billy Forbes, or go to somebody like Gladstone Waco, Solomon Asante, you know, the list goes on and on. Talk about how you, the depth of this team really is starting to show. Uh, I think I think it shows a lot, you know. I think the, the fact that we show players are, are very interchangeable, it's just more of a style than everything, you know what I mean? Um, I think the biggest thing, too, is you see it day in and day out, uh, the competition, you know, it's friendly competition between us, and it pushes everyone to get better, you know. Every, everyone pushes and wants to be playing on the field, and so I think that's the biggest thing is that depth provides it. Chris, I see you aren't holding the match ball. Did you forget to pick it up, or what's the deal? Uh, no, no, I'm grabbing it afterwards. Yeah, they've uh, they've hidden it from me for now. So the, I guess someone kicked one out in the stand, so I'll be sure to get one. <laughs> okay, and what do you th what do you think um, about about your form? You mentioned this is the first hat trick of your career. What was the magic juice that you drank this morning in order to survive this fight? No, no, nothing like that. You know, like I said, it's it's the end of a lot of a, a lot of team effort. You know, as a center forward, I'm on the end of stuff. You know, uh, you look at the balls won by Kavan on the first goal. He's challenged it really well. The balls bounced out to me. Same thing on the second goal. Collins dribbled three, four guys and chopped them up in the box, and then the balls squirted out to me, and I go to finish. And the last one, Luca does a great turn, cuts it back, and puts the ball in my head. You know, I'm getting on the end of things more than anything. It's uh, it's credit to what we've done in the entire build-up before that and what we've, we've done to earn those goals. 
How do you guys take this now and head out onto the road against Reno? Uh, for us, it's, you know, it's more the same. Look at look at what we did well. Um, honestly, for us, the big thing is we didn't get a shutout, and we'll be disappointed with that. I know we will, and we'll want to look to improve on that. Got a shutout, especially going away on the road and stuff. That's a big thing. Is the zero is the big important one for us. And so, you know, be able to correct that small thing, and then aside from that, you know, more of the same of what we did right, and look to correct the small mistakes we did and move forward with that. I know you've been with this team for a while, but talk about, first of all, just the honor of being able to wear the captain's armband tonight, uh, first of all. Even though I can't believe it, man, but uh, it shows the amount of uh, respect uh, the coaches and the players have for me, and I really appreciate that, although I'm not the, um, a lot of people call the arm, um, I'm an orthodox type of captain, I don't talk a lot, but uh, I try to try to show it on the field, you know? Yeah. Talk about the difference between last week, I mean, just, I guess, more trying to get into form versus playing tonight in front of a home crowd and just ramping it up big time. Yeah, you know, it's the first game of the season. Uh, we have a lot of jitters uh, between both teams, especially playing away. But uh, I think we learned a lot from last week, and definitely this crowd always help um, at home. So happy with the win, definitely. How do you guys try to try to translate this into going back out on the road now and take this effort with you guys? Uh, just try to improve, do the same thing we did today, uh, stay compact defensively and express ourselves offensively. So it's just pretty much the same thing we did tonight. Difference last week between, I mean, other than jitters, I mean, what was the big difference last week? I mean, it seemed like you guys had a lot more jump in your step than you did. Uh, I mean, last week we could have, we should have came out with a three points, I think. But I think that was a wake-up call for uh, the team as well. And coming in this this week uh, with the crowd, um, home match and everything, just gave us that extra boost to do a little bit better. Yeah. Chris, you had some. Oh, I'm sorry, Jason. You had you had some uh, experience with, against this team in the preseason. Yeah. Uh, tell us what you saw on the field today compared to what you saw in preseason, and uh, how that prepared you. I would say I saw a more complete game this evening than the first time we played them. We were up like 2-0, uh, 75 minutes in the game last time we played them in preseason and they came back two goals. And uh, second half we went in and kind of held everybody accountable, making sure that we didn't make the same mistake, you know? Thanks, good. Yeah. Strong, solid effort from the boys tonight coming off a tough 1-1 draw in Orange County last week. Yeah, just start of the season, you know, we were, we were really at disappointed, but not so much after the first game, you know, because we didn't control the game. We had only, uh, we did create only one chance last week, we scored, but uh, finally Orange County deserved to, to come back, even if it was in the last uh, minutes. We had to accept it, and I said to the guys that... Uh, if we want to uh, win more games, we cannot uh, think that by just playing uh, 20 minutes like we did last week, it was enough. So it's the start of the season, never easy to play away. But uh, I'm really proud tonight because we we did create many chances. It was a really nice game. The, the stadium was uh, full, the atmosphere great, and uh, many nice goals. So it was a great performance. Talk about the difference between what you saw in these guys last week and what you saw tonight. What were some of the biggest differences you saw? Our first game, you know, is never easy. Uh, we have a lot of new players, so friendly games are not enough to, uh, to know about, for example. I knew that physically we were ready, but I don't know the player in us during the competition uh, in terms of motivation, but uh, in terms of mentally how they're going to react the day of the competition. So. 
the first game did help me a lot to, uh, to prepare in a better way the, the player for the game of tonight. So with uh, the next game in mind, what do you think the team can improve on that maybe they didn't do as well today? Well, to be honest with you, uh, the first game away are, are really difficult. That's why uh, I would be really happy if we, uh, if we draw next week. That will be the motivation. We know we, are, we will face a very good team of Reno, especially uh, on their field. Great team, performance, offensive. Right now, we are still doing uh, a lot of mistakes, few mistakes, but uh, we must improve. So let's keep on working uh, week after week. But the more important for me really is to uh, I really have the motivation that we we are strong at home and step by step uh, away. Uh, we need to find a way to be more competitive away. But right now, I guess we are we can score many goals, but we also need to defend in a better way if we want to compete away. Talk about Chris's effort tonight. Yes, that's great. That's great. You know, I'm really happy for him. Um, we had a long talk uh, this morning together, and uh, Chris is a challenger. And uh, Didier couldn't uh, couldn't play today, so I just give a call to Chris, ask him how he was feeling. He told me he was feeling good, ready. I said, come on, you're ready. Uh, it's your game, and uh, we know that Chris uh, can score many goals. He's a fantastic player. Has the chance to have a lot of very good uh, very good players this year, so. Let's enjoy uh, this result and prepare uh, next week's game with a lot of motivation. You had a lot of strong efforts tonight on the defensive end, not, not quite as much as you would say in the first game against Orange County. What kind of differences did you have in training this week to improve the defensive effort? Um, at first, we, we had decided during this game, you know, I said to the players at the half time that uh, I would change uh, immediately any player that I feel that is not giving his best. I don't want us to think that because we are leading 2-0, like last week we were leading 1-0 that uh, we just have to wait till the end of the game because you can see that uh, we did conceal uh, another goal, uh, set PC, anything can happen. So I want us to be humble and to be humble means uh, to keep on playing, to keep on giving the best on the field, to keep on uh, giving a lot of pleasure to our fans and giving everything. That's my motivation. I really want us to uh, to be performant home and to, uh, to score many goals this season for our fans to be very happy. How much notice did you have that you weren't going to have Didier these first couple of weeks? Um, right now, you know, uh, Didier came back from Colombia a few days ago. He was uh, he was not feeling that good. We, but he was very professional. He did train. He did his best to train. And this morning, finally, we we did the last test. But he was not uh, he was not 100%. And uh, he knows that we are working. All of us are working well, hard. So it was the opportunity to test uh, Chris Cortez, and he. He didn't come to the game. He's, uh, he's sleeping right now, and he needs to recover. So we can uh, wish him a uh, happy 40 years old, and uh, let, to let him come back. He knows that now with Chris on fire, it will be a fantastic competition. But uh, of course, we are waiting. Uh, we are waiting for him. It's our leader. He's fantastic every day at the training. Fantastic attitude, and uh, he's uh, teaching a lot of things to the young, uh, to the young player in the in the group. So. Let's enjoy uh, all together tonight and, uh, and have a good beer. <laughs> and there's the comments of Patrice Carterone and Chris Cortez and obviously some of the great things that you can take away from those comments. Obviously, first of all, like I talked about in the, in the open, Patrice was not afraid to have a short leash on the guys on the back end. He wanted to make sure that these guys were producing and showing strong effort. He once again thanked the, <coughs> thanked the crowd for, for their effort in coming out, and he knows – you know, putting solid efforts together will continue to keep bringing these crowds out to these to these matches. 
you know, and then and then obviously talking about uh, you know Cortez and and his insertion into the lineup and what you know you know everything that happened with Drogba. So like we said, great effort all around from the boys and and three definitely well deserved points from this club. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, do we want to get into next week's match? Yeah, let's get into next week's match. Uh, Saturday afternoon affair, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, Arizona time against Reno 1868 FC. Obviously, we know the struggles that Reno gave us last year, but obviously the big difference between last year's team and this year's team is the deletion well i wouldn't say necessarily deletion but the the non-returning players as in league mvp dane kelly who is obviously now with dc united and uh chris Weehan, who is now with san jose earthquakes but they did retain antoine hoppenot which i think is hopefully going to be one of their stronger guys to go to in this season um dominic you uh you saw a little bit of their uh Highlights from their uh, draw against uh, Las Vegas last night. Uh, what did you see? Yeah, I did. Um, it was honestly like a pretty back-and-forth match. Uh, they actually picked up a red card. I forget which player in the last 20 minutes, so they had to really hang on there at the end just to emerge with the 1-1 draw. But what struck me most is I don't even know half the guys on their roster. And I don't say that about a lot of teams in the Western Conference. I mean, Marcinowski actually made a couple good saves to keep the 1-1 draw for Reno. But uh, other than Hoppenot, maybe Griffiths in the back, and Kiffy, there are a lot of new faces on that Reno squad this year, guys that I'm not familiar with. Um, Does that necessarily mean that it'll be an easy win for us? Absolutely not. But I think... People should realize this is not the Reno side we were playing last year. I had them outside of the top eight in the uh, preseason predictions, and I think you're starting to see why it's going to be an uphill climb for them. Um, They just have a lot of new faces, and, you know, if it clicks, they can start exploding, but um, we haven't seen it click yet. I think it's a great chance for us to get three points. Yeah, I agree with you, Dominic. I think... They're not going to be the same team that they were last year. That's that's for sure. But I think also we should still uh, proceed with caution. I mean, if, if I recall correctly last year, I don't think we even scored against them in either game. They shut us out both times. So just to put in a goal against them will be huge. Um, and it will be interesting to see, it, since the game's in Reno, there possibly could be uh, some snow on the ground, and it will no doubt be cold. So... It'll be one of those road matches that we definitely don't want to take for granted. Well, what's funny? What's funny about that? Because I was curious. Um, I went on, looked at the Reno ten day forecast, and it's mm-hmm. actually a four p.m. kickoff next week, um, and it's supposed to be in the sixties. Oh, so wow. <laughs> yeah. So no, no inclement weather forecast. I mean, things can change, but as of right now, it's it's supposed to be like clear skies in the low to mid 60s. So not a bad day, not a bad opportunity for us to go in there and get three points. Yeah, definitely not a bad opportunity. Uh, it was uh, 
Daniel Muzovsky, who picked up the red card for, for Reno, so you obviously won't see him uh, in the lineup this week for sure because he'll have to serve a, at least a one-game suspension. Not sure if the league will implement more as you go forward. But, uh, yeah, like you said, you know, this is this is definitely not the Reno team you saw a year ago. And, and even though Patrice Carteron, obviously you heard in his post-game comments, is, is very cautious about heading up to Reno and, and – will be happy with a draw coming out of there. You know, like you said, I think three points could definitely be uh, definitely be attainable as you move forward. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you want to get into predictions before we move to another? Well, I mean... Three, I, I think three points is very, very simple. I, I think it can be obtainable in this match, like you said. You know, this is like you said, this is not the same. This is not the same Reno team from a year ago. They've, they've definitely kind of taken a, a, a small step back here. So, I mean, I could see if we play as strong as we did Saturday, I could see a two nothing or a three one going up there. But, you know, I, you know, I, I think three points is obtainable. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Jeff. I think I was kind of thinking, yeah, probably a 2 nothing, maybe 2-1. I don't know if we'll put in three goals. I would love to see three goals, but, uh, you know, I want to have the goals spread out throughout the season and not have too many in just a few games. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I would I, – I agree. I think three points is to be expected, I think, unless uh, barring an early red card or something, knock on wood. Um we should be able to come out of there with three points, but it'll be it'll be interesting to see a a good road test for us. For sure, and I I kind of like the early start. Um, it'll definitely, hopefully, we'll we'll have a lot more time to celebrate a win afterwards, um, and we don't have to wait as long throughout the day. I yeah. was a little bit cautious about the Orange County game because I feel like their style matches up well with us. They're very physical, they're very defensive, and they'll take their chances sometimes. I don't think Reno's style matches up as well this season. Um, they haven't shown they can play strong defense. They gave the goal up to Vegas. They gave four up the previous week to, I believe, Swope, and that was also a home match. So, you know, I, I don't want to throw them under the bus, but I think this is a game we should win. I see no reason why we can't win 2-1 or 3-1 as long as we have the right guys out there, the right formation. And I think you have to think Drago is going to get this start if the weather's good. And because he hasn't had a chance yet, I, I would assume he wants to get out there. Yeah, I would assume he wants to get out there too. I mean, missed the first two games, obviously missed the home opener, which I think he, you know he wanted to be ready for more than anything. But, you know, at least the, like we've said, the good thing so far is, you know, four four points out of six is, you know, you can definitely rely on players that you have in this lineup. If, if a drug was not quite available, not quite healthy or whatever the case may be, you know, you have guys that you can depend on that can, that can definitely provide the effort if he's not out there. So, I mean, that's, that's gotta be more comforting to the fans. I would think than anything would be just the fact that, that I think early, we're only two games in the depth of this roster is obviously showing huge dividends to start the season. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've definitely seen that we're more than just Didier Drogba, you know. I th- and I think the the coaching staff kind of probably made that a priority this offseason. You know, we already know we have this great player we can rely on, but but as we saw last season, he's not going to be able to play a full 90 week in and week out. So to be able to rely on the rest of the squad as well, and yeah, as you said, to get four points out of six now. Um, and one thing that I'm thinking is the fact that Drogba – didn't appear in our home opener just makes our next match against real monarchs at home on april 7th that much bigger and i think that is if we can push and make that a sellout we have a great chance in that match as well yeah i mean if they play the way they did last night we're gonna have pretty good chance in all our matches so yeah that's true (laughs) (laughs) do we want to get into some usl scores yeah let's get into some some USL scores, you know, of interest in the Western Conference that caught our eye this week. Uh, definitely one of the very interesting results. Uh, Portland Timbers 2 goes on the road to Colorado Springs and grabs a one nothing victory on the road. A rare win for a Timbers 2 side, which for the last couple of years uh, has really struggled in USL League play, struggled to find uh, the right balance of, of talent to to make this this go um you know your guys's thoughts on timbers getting a big win to start the season yeah i mean uh big result for timbers uh it looked like colorado springs from the highlights was controlling most of the play was getting most of the best chances but you know credit to the timbers defense and to uh jeff atanella in goal for for Timbers, keeping them at bay. And then 82nd minute, uh, the Timbers get a shot. And, you know, it's one of those rebounds. The keeper makes a save, but there's a fat rebound out there. And uh, Augustine Williams runs in and puts it in for the big win. Uh, It seemed like there were quite a few rebound goals in USL play yesterday, uh, some important ones. So pretty, pretty huge result there. I mean, is it just a flash in the pan for Timbers 2, or does that mean they're actually going to be a decent team? Who knows? But what I do know is that's a huge missed opportunity for Colorado Springs coming off a home opener win against Los Dos. I mean, these are matches you have to take three points from if you want to be a playoff team in this very competitive conference. And, you know, coming out of there with nothing, that's a dismal result. Yeah, yeah, you're right, Dominic. I'm looking I'm looking at the standings right now and if they'd won that match or even gotten a draw, they could possibly be in third or fourth and now they're down to sixth place. So yeah, I mean these matches early on, especially against the two teams, they're they're important to rack up points. Yeah, that is that is for sure. Uh, another interesting result that caught our eye, uh Real Monarchs gets a three two win at Tulsa. You know, again this is uh, you know, a Monarchs team that is that has come out of the gate strong with their first win of the season again. I mean, another solid effort from from the guys in Salt Lake. Yeah, this one back and forth match. Uh, Monarchs get ahead early, and then credit to Tulsa, they come back into it in the second half. They go go ahead in the eighty second minute. And now you're thinking, wow, Tulsa's going to get a big home comeback victory. Um, that was Joaquin Rivas in the 83rd minute, actually, that put them ahead 2-1. But then Chandler Hoffman, 
um, quality player. He gets the equalizer in the 89th minute, and then just subpar defending by Tulsa allows Reno or allows the Monarchs to get a great chance. Like 90 seconds later, and Charlie Adams puts it in. So, you know, big way to start the season for Real Monarchs. Um, you know, frustrating for Tulsa, but that goes to show you the kind of offensive threat that Monarchs have, and they're going to be playing hard this year. I mean, they might not be tops, but they're going to be up there. Yeah, they definitely will be up there. And, uh, you know, you talk about Chandler Hoffman being that guy in in Real Monarchs. Uh, you know, I would not be surprised if Charlie Hoffman becomes this year's Dane Kelly and, you know, has a solid season and then finds his way, you know, onto an MLS roster somewhere. I mean, Hoffman, you know, got a taste of it with, with the LA Galaxy when he was with Los Dos and, you know, had, had a cup of coffee, you know, with the main club, but, you know, just things never really materialized between them. Uh, he's found some good times here, you know, scored uh, <coughs> 14 goals last year for Real Monarchs, obviously getting his first on the board here this year, but, you know, he has another solid year for Real Monarchs. I would not be surprised to see, you know, RSL try to sign him to a, to a contract similar to the way Swope Park Rangers is, you know, kind of dealt with Carlton Belmar and, you know, his opportunity to, to be signed by uh, sporting KC. Yeah, that's, I think that you're dead on there, Jeff. I think that if, if Hoffman keeps showing what he has shown over the past couple seasons, that RSL would be foolish not to try and bring him up to the first team um, as sporting Kansas city did with Belmar. Uh, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, how he progress progresses this year. That's for sure. Um, obviously, another big result in the West. Uh, Sacramento travels to Orange County, gets a one nothing victory uh, over Orange County. Uh, if you have not seen it, uh, check out the highlight. Cameron Iwasa, uh, you want to talk about a filthy goal. Uh, Cameron Iwasa's was, was just about as filthy as, as what Solomon Asante's goal was this week. And then obviously... You know, on the back end again, Josh Cohen uh, making some big saves when needed to be called upon uh, to preserve three solid points for Sacramento. Like we said, this is going to be a tough team to deal with in the season. Uh, you know, when Josh comes here to, to face, you know, Phoenix Rising, I'm sure that's going to be a, a big revenge game on his mind when he shows up here during the season. Yeah, and I'd be really curious to see what some Sac Republic fan opinions are on on Cohen's performance. I mean, they had a solid keeper in Evan Newton, but people just... I don't think that there are enough people around the league that realize how solid Cohen's been. Even going back to when he was in Orange County. Um, he was the goalkeeper of the month for us last September and like a really quality starter. And I, I heard some people saying, well, they might barely even make the playoffs. They might miss the playoffs. And even some Sacramento Republic people were saying this. I'm like, I just don't think you get how good Cohen is and how big he can be because Sacramento tends to play a lot of close games anyways. Having a quality keeper like that can be the difference between draws and wins, and you see it last night. Yeah, Dominic, I don't I don't think he gets his credit. I mean, like you said, when he was at... At the OC Blues, well, I, I remember he played in a playoff 
match they went to penalty kicks and he made some huge saves i mean he played for us and we were able to make it to playoffs i think he's he's one of those goalies that somehow keeps his team in nearly every match and i mean if you can do that and we've seen that sacramento has the ability to score i think they they definitely have a great chance at making playoffs yeah, yeah i mean i i think top four um and yeah, right now i agree got, with you i think yeah. so too yeah yeah, they're they're a solid team, and obviously, you know, you're starting to see as the standings are kind of playing out. Even if it's just after two weeks, you're starting to see who some of the top talented teams are out there. And guarantee you, you're looking at Swope, you're looking at Phoenix, you're looking at at Sacramento. You know, you're you're looking you're looking at these teams going, wow, this this is definitely going to be a battle for the top four. You know, this this could be another one of those years again where we're looking at the the teams in the West are are going to be probably more superior than a lot of teams in the east so you know this could be another one of those years again yeah at least on points the point totals could be really high out here yeah i think another result that kind of caught our eyes out here out west uh fresno with a 1-1 draw against the la galaxy too uh i think we all kind of thought fresno might be a little bit better just because we you know they seem to have all their ducks lined up in a row fairly early, unlike a, a Vegas expansion team who's come out of the gates and and is is really shown a strong effort with four out of six points to start the season. Kind of kind of surprised at the way Fresno has started here. Yeah, I mean if if they're in the chase at the end of the season and they barely miss out on top eight. These are two matches they're going to look back on and say we really could have used points from these. Uh, the point, the matches in March matter just as much as the matches in October, in September, and uh, in this one, you know, second time in a row where they give up a goal in the first two minutes. Again, I think it was off a corner kick, um, just someone not marking, instantly give up that goal, and then LA picks up a red card in the 27th minute. So. For the remainder of that game, Fresno has the man advantage, but they can't tie it until the 70th, and they can't they can't get that winner. That's a really frustrating one-one. Um, you know, with with two straight home matches to start the season against Vegas and LA, two who are projected to be non-playoff teams. At a minimum, you have to expect to win one of those, and only one point from those two is really rough because their schedule is about to get tougher. Yeah, that it, that yeah. it is. Yeah, that's true. I was I was going to say the same thing, Dominic. I think that looking back, they're if they do miss out on playoffs, these two matches are really gonna they're going to be the ones that are they're going to say these hurt us. Yeah. By the way, just just a, a comment before we move on to a little bit of league news uh, this week. Let's let's give a shout out to the fans of the USL this week. I mean, they've made you know there was some some big crowds out there for some openers this week. Um, 9,000 last night in Vegas for the, for the first USL game of the regular season. Uh, Nashville goes 18, you know, 18, nine in their game against Pittsburgh. Uh, Fresno opens their home schedule in front of over 6,000 people. San Antonio goes in front of almost 8,000 playing against St. St. Louis. And obviously here last night, almost 7,000, you know, 
seeing Phoenix Rising play in Oklahoma City. Let, you know, let's give a shout out here to the fans of the league, you know, for filling these places up and showing showing people that, you know, in, in unnatural type soccer places that, you know, fans can come out in droves and 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 see these games. It's it's great to see at the start of this season. It it really is and it it to me it kind of justifies the rapid growth and expansion of the USL you know we've seen it grow so much over the past few years but the fact that we're able to have these large crowds even even though it is home openers but to to have these kinds of numbers you know I think it really shows that soccer is growing a lot here in the U.S. and I think it's here to stay yeah it's uh, uh it's a good thing to see it's good for everyone involved I mean the USL, obviously, but you know, regardless of what team you support, uh, just good to see that everyone around the league is getting more and more into it, and the quality of play is being recognized. You know, with the with mm-hmm. the increases in quality of play, you're going to have more fan interest. Yeah, that yeah that, that you are. I totally agree with you. You know, and it, and it's just it's just great to see that you know. For the league, you know, even just just going into non-traditional markets like Fresno, like Las Vegas, like a San Antonio, just to you know, just to see these solid efforts, it really shows, you know, that, you know, this isn't just a fly-by-night thing, and it also shows that, the that the USL, isn't just going to places just to to fill, you know, spots in a league. You know, they're going to places where they feel they have the confidence. That the, that the sport is going to grow, and obviously it is growing by leaps and bounds. Yeah, no one's no one's arguing that. Um, do we want to talk about the Freddie Adu news out of yeah. Las Vegas? Yeah, definitely. The interesting news on Thursday was was Freddie Adu signed a contract, a one year contract with the Las Vegas FC. Uh, yeah, he, he played a lot of the preseason with them, and I, you know, I was kind of surprised that they hadn't signed him, you know, to a full contract, being that he had been there the entire preseason. We really hadn't seen a lot, you know, from Las Vegas as far as, you know, real marquee signings or even, you know, just hearing about signings in general, thinking that they weren't really going to have a a strong roster. But, you know, to get somebody of Freddie Adu's name, obviously. You know the name interest. I'm sure is going to help them a lot. Obviously, but he, you know, he wasn't in the he wasn't in the 18 uh, that that they had last night. I'm sure he will be as, as they move forward. You know, in the season, you know. But obviously, you know, <coughs> it, it, it's interesting to see a, a, a Freddie Adu, you know, down in this league being, you know, considering you know 10, 15 years ago how he was, you know, the next American soccer prodigy and. Uh, you know, now kind of look where he's at at this point of his career. True. Although I am noticing he was not part of the lineup for Las Vegas last night, starters or subs. So I have a feeling he's not going to be out there every week, but hopefully they'll give him some chances and, you know, at least it's something they can advertise. Yeah, that's that's kind of my thought, Dominic, is, I mean, for them, they're going to be able to sell a lot of jerseys. And, I mean, from his standpoint, it's I'm glad to see him still uh, still plying his trade, and it's nice to see him playing here in the U.S. 
So we'll uh, we'll get into the standings here after two weeks of the season uh, in the Western Conference. Uh, at the top, Swope Park Rangers and Sacramento Republic, two games, each six points from that. Uh, then in third place, you've got Phoenix Rising, along with Las Vegas Lights FC, both on four points. Uh, you go down to fifth, there's a log jam at three points. Uh, led by Real Monarchs in fifth, Colorado Springs six, San Antonio seven, Portland Timbers eight, all on three points. Uh, Seattle Sounders and Oklahoma City are ninth and tenth in the three-point range, but obviously below on goal differential. Uh, then you get the teams uh, in the in the middle, all at one point here from 11th to 16th. You've got Rio Grande, Reno. Fresno, St. Louis, Orange County, L.A. Galaxy, all with one point each. Um, and then rounding out the uh, Western Conference standings in 17th place on zero points, Tulsa Roughnecks with two losses. So that is your USL Western Conference standings at, at this point two weeks in. And uh, with that in mind, let's get to our supporter section questions. We have a couple this week. Um, maybe we could give more notice in the future, but we do have a couple. Uh, the first one comes from uh, Pedro Gomez at the guy in the G. Was this the best offensive performance ever from Phoenix Rising? Wow. I, I gotta really think about this one. Individually, yes, that's that's for sure. From Chris Cortez, from an individual standpoint, yeah. Um, I don't know. That is a tough one. I mean, a few games come to mind from last season. Uh, that Sporting KC one where we won four three, and the the Tulsa game as well. Um, I mean, maybe it was. The one thing I would say is we didn't dominate possession still possession was still below 50 percent even though but we had though, 10 shots yeah even know. though even though you know everybody <laughs> looks at that possession number and thinks you know well if you don't have 50 percent possession you don't do that a lot of times and we've seen this with patrice Carteron club you know ever since he came over here it's not necessarily about you know holding the possession it's about what you do with the counterattack, and and we just we seem to have the talent that knows how to counterattack at the right time, knows how to to use the individuals he's got on the field for that purpose, you know. And, and I think if if we have forty percent possession and we win a game three one or, or or two one, you know, I don't think we're looking at it as well. We didn't do a very good job in this game. It's no, we know these guys know how to apply you know parts of the match at the time they need to so you bring up the the swole park rangers match from a year ago you know and you know you think back on that and you want to talk about you talk about dominating effort remember at that point last year that that swole park was coming into that match undefeated and we just tore them apart i mean yeah, it, me, the, it was four zero at halftime. I yeah, believe. Yeah, it was. You know. Yeah, was, we we just dominated them. You know, and even <laughs> and even even when Cody Wakasa picked up the red card and they you know they came back, we still had a lot yep. of control of the play, even when 
even when we gave up the red card, it wasn't like Swope Park was pressing. It was more of, you know, just quick. I think it was more quick counters on, on Swope Park's part to get those three goals back quickly. But yeah, I think that's mm-hmm. probably just as dominating an effort as what we saw last night. I mean, cause I mean, granted, you know, Oklahoma city had a, had a, you know, quite a few shots on goal, but it just, they didn't seem like they were strong efforts. So, I mean, if you want to talk about an overall effort, I mean, that's probably one of the more solid overall efforts I've probably seen in quite a while. Yeah. yeah and, for- and you're, I was just Go gonna say it. I noticed I noticed the uh, if we're gonna talk stats as far as our shots versus shots on goals we had ten shots and seven were on goal so seventy percent in the shots on goals that's that's a good stat in my opinion so yeah I definitely would say we uh, it was one of our best matches offensively no doubt yeah I would say one of I wouldn't say the best uh, something that does make it. Uh, pretty impressive in my eyes is they were all good goals. They were all assisted goals. None of these are like own goals. None of these are, oh, the defender just gives it away and the guy just has to slot it in. None of these are, you know, it's a really like scrappy situation and a guy just pokes the ball into the net. I mean, you could argue that maybe there were a couple 50-50 balls on the second goal that could have dealt with, or, um, all this talk about Swope, that OKC could have dealt with better, but uh, they were all good, well-worked goals for the most part. Um, but I would still say, you know, maybe last year's 4-0 at Vancouver, um, because we had a lot of shots on target. We scored two goals in the first 11 minutes in that match, and those were also pretty well-worked goals. I mean, that was like the match where Reggie had a ridiculous chip goal. That's probably my <laughs> favorite goal of the season and then a Waco got on the board too so uh, I, I would maybe put that one just a tiny notch above um, but I, it's definitely on the short list and you know maybe maybe the Portland match at the end of last season where we scored four we could have had even more but I think when you factor in that we did this without Drogba without Billy Forbes versus a team that's going to make the playoffs in the Western Conference, that's pretty impressive. Like, with that context in mind, I think it is actually the most impressive offensive performance that I've seen. Yeah, good observation there. Yeah, you're you're making a great case, Dominic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just because I mean, OKC shut out a team last week. And really controlled the match. And, you know, one week later, we put four on them. We string great passes together. Uh, and, you know, I think the question was, was it the best offensive performance? And with that context, like, it, it, there's definitely a case to be made. I don't know if I would say it's the best. But considering how good the opposition was, maybe it's the best. And then there was another question, too. Uh, this one comes from The Vibe at Justin Vibs. And this is a funny one. At Rising Pod, are we allowed to say the defense looks good? Is it too early? I thought they did fantastic. 
I think it's a little early yet. I mean, <laughs> we you know we're we're you know we still see some some efforts that need a little bit of cleaning up. Um, I, you know, I I'm still not sold on the central defense. I still need at least a couple more games, you know, to 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 get my mind changed about that. You know, I, I thought Amadou Dia and 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 Devontae DeBose both played solid games. And an interesting comment from that I got last night from Aaron Blau, who's our photographer at Firebird Soccer. Um, it was great to see Amadou Dia at times would push up the field. And even though he got pushed up too far up the field, to see Jason Johnson run back and be in a solid defensive position to help out when Dia's up on the attack is, I mean, you want to talk about something great to see. That's, that's where you talk about efforts that, that don't always get mentioned in a match. I mean, to see Jason Johnson doing things like that. And Jason was wearing the captain's armband last night, which I thought was, was quite interesting as well. Um, but to see him do the, you know, to do those things to help out and to make, you know, make him look like a better player as well. I mean, that, that to me shows commitment from not just, you know, the defensive players. It shows commitment from everybody that, hey, if somebody's pulling up, I've got to pull back and help. You know, that shows, you know, that, that this team not only is thinking offensive, but is also thinking defensively as well. Yeah, Jeff. And I actually was going to comment on that, how he de- wearing that captain's armband, I think he was leading by example. And I mean, he, I think he's shown that since uh, that away match in Reno last season. So it'll be, I think it'll be a nice homecoming of sorts for him to go back to Reno. And hopefully we can see him uh, get a goal this next week. Yeah, I definitely agree um, with so many players that are very capable on this team, Johnson might not have the same kind of chances to score goals he did last season. But, you know, instead of bickering about it like some players might, uh, he's taking the high road and doing everything he can to help the team get get wins. And, you know, what more can you ask for in a captain? Yeah, exactly. Uh, as far as the, the defense, I would say, yeah, maybe a little bit too soon to say that they're good although i was very impressed with our play in the air yesterday i I can't remember a game in you know since we had Stewart and ramage back there where we're getting 60 plus percent of aerial duels you know you you can look at that second goal where we win two or three 50 50 balls capped off by lambert getting the ball to cortez to set up the goal but even on okc chances they had a lot of corner kicks in that match and they never threatened seriously on any of those corner kicks. When's the last time we can say that? Where there wasn't a single guy that had a free header. There wasn't really anyone that was unmarked. I mean, the set piece, yeah, you would like it to be better, but better defending there. But, I mean, all in all, that was a very solid performance. I don't know if I want to say, like, we're a good defensive team, like a top 10 USL defensive team, but... You know, that was at least like an above average effort. And that's honestly, that's a big step for us. Yeah. And like you said, Dominic, to 
to have an improvement as far as the the balls in through the air. Um, that's good to see. I think that that's, you know, we're starting to see the defensive unit grow together. Um, I don't know if we're, if we've reached fantastic yet, I think like Jeff, I need to need to see a few more matches and see how we perform. But I think, I think we definitely could get there, but, uh, time will tell. And, and one last thing, I really like Deboza right back. I think he's been playing fantastic. He's been in front of his men. He's a bigger presence than Wakasa, uh, you know, just taller, a little bit stronger. Um, so that helps if we're talking about our first choice starting guy at right back. And I've actually been pretty good with Defonte too. Like he, you know, sometimes because he's a little smaller than some of the attackers, he'll be exploited. But at least this past week, he held his own pretty well. And the one thing he brings to the table is being able to distribute the ball. So, you know, I have no problems with continuing to give him chances in the starting 11. Maybe at some point I want to see Farrell in there just to see how he and Mala play. But I'm actually okay with this back four lineup. Yeah, you could be right on that. You know, I mean, obviously, you know... I, maybe I was a little bit more harsh of Defont because he was the one standing in front, you know, as he gave up the uh, the goal uh, last week in Orange County. But like you said, you know, when you're winning sixty percent of aerial duels and and you're you're doing a lot more of clearing out the box, you know, obviously it was a, a definitely a much more solid effort uh, from the guys, and you know. For sure, like you said, you know, I think this start this starting four has earned its opportunity to to stay on this field you know, for a little while and see how it goes and and yeah, we, yeah, we do need to see Farrell and see how he pairs with Mala and see how things go there, um, you know, and obviously, you know, still trying to figure out who that, you know, if, if Duigi Mala can't go and 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 you know, you need to give Mike Defont a rest, you know, you know, who's that? Who's that fourth center back that you can count on uh, uh, that'll that'll be there? So, you know, that'll be interesting to see as we move forward as well. Definitely. Well, with that being said, do we want to go to final thoughts? <clears throat> go ahead, Kyle. I'll let you start this week. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I think that Everything is kind of going as planned right now. I think that this is kind of how I envisioned us after preseason looking at the schedule. Um, I think, Dominic, you were right to uh, be wary of Orange County and to kind of anticipate a draw there. They're one of those teams that, like you said, they're just tough for us to play against. Our styles kind of just match up that way, and that's that's just how it's going to be. Um, I mean, to have us four points out of six right now, I think that's great. And I mean, to it's being reflected in the standings. I really like, I, like we've talked about, I think that we could go to Reno this week and get a road win. I think that, uh, that's definitely achievable. So I think that we're definitely in the right position. We just got to take it week by week now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely agree with you there, Kyle. Uh, I guess for me, the biggest thing is, and we've touched on it several times, but this team is like so deep that we can prove the narratives wrong and still win easily. 
Because I think nationally, a lot of people think of Phoenix Rising, and they think, okay, they got Diddy Drogba, they got, um, oh, and they signed Billy Forbes from San Antonio. Like, those are going to be their big star players. We just had no Drogba, no Billy Forbes this weekend against a good team in the Western Conference, a top, probably a top six team, definitely a, t- definitely a playoff team. You know, this is not a kind of game where, especially without two really good players, you're supposed to cruise and be just 1-4-1. What does that say about the depth and about the style we can play? You know, if the defense can perform at, at least an above-average level, doesn't have to be elite, has to be, like, just above average, the offense that we have is just, it's got to be giving other teams nightmares. Because we can score out of open play with a really good cross into the box. We can score off of a set piece, you know, off a corner where our guys battle in the box and we create a good chance. We can beat you in many different ways. If you want to possess the ball and we just do direct counters on you, we can play that way. Um, We can take the action to you and score. And we have such varied personnel. Um, You know, Luca Ricci barely sees time in the preseason. He can come in and deliver a dime of a ball right there for Cortez, who wasn't even supposed to start. And Cortez gets a hat trick. Are there any other teams in USL whose second or third string striker can come in and score a hat trick? against a decent team that's a very short list if there's any other teams so if if we can keep bringing that effort the sky's the limit and i'm just curious i want to see us play more open on the road because i feel like we lock it down and really play it tight to the vest i'd like to see us get a little more adventurous at reno this week see what happens that's that's an interesting point you bring up, Dominic, about seeing them open it up. I I agree with you actually. I would really like to see that. And, you know, and maybe with, you know, probably Didier, you know, being in the lineup this next week, you know, being that he hasn't seen action yet and and you know, he's he fired up and ready and wanting to go, you know. I think it'll be interesting to see how how he will mesh into this lineup this week where he plays. And like we've said many times before, where he plays on the field is going to depend on formation and how we see other things go. So let's see how it goes. But, you know, great effort from the boys this past week. Um, you know, like I said, we can't say enough about the effort that Chris Cortez put out there on such short notice. Uh, you know, getting a hat trick, obviously, you know, player of the week honors should should be coming his way uh, very easily this week. Um you know, strong, solid defensive effort. You know, we're starting to see, I think we're starting to see the fruits of the labor of an intensive preseason, you know, where you're playing against top quality talent in MLS clubs and knowing what to expect, you know, coming back. You know, I think that's that's been a, you know, a, a real saving grace this year is, is seeing that. And now that we're seeing the fruits of that labor, uh, being produced on the field four out of six points out of the first two matches, you know, it, you know, not a need to get down or anything on that draw, you know, and like even Patrice said in his post-game comments, you know, last night, he's not worried if they pick up a draw in Reno, although we know, we, we know they can get three points, you know, but to hear 
him say those types of things and know that he has the confidence in this club to do that, you know, going forward, like you said, the sky's the limit and, and you, you can't expect anything else but great things from this club as we move forward this year. Yeah, anything else that anyone has to add? <coughs> no, I'm good. Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm looking forward to that 4 p.m. kickoff. It's actually on my birthday, so let's go out there and uh, get me a birthday gift. <laughs> Definitely, and happy birthday coming up. Hope that's a good oh, one. Thank you. Well, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Rising is One podcast. Sponsored by the Arizona Sports Complex. The Arizona Sports Complex has leagues for people of all ages. Indoor soccer leagues. They even do other sports there too. Basketball, lacrosse. But if you're really into indoor soccer, they have leagues throughout the week, throughout the year. All sorts of age groups. They do birthday parties, company events too. So definitely go up there. Give them a chance. Uh, We will be back next Sunday. And we'll... Have our episode out next Monday. Thank you all for listening, and go rising. Go rising. Go rising. like to thank our sponsor Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is the official scarf supplier for MLS, USL, and US soccer. So be sure to go to roughneckscarves.com and get some of their products. We hope you enjoyed the show.